Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Carissa, and to the team this morning as they've led us through our uh, time of praise and worship together. It's been lovely to sing those beautiful songs, hasn't it? And reflect on what a great and awesome God that we have. Well, as we uh, come around this passage this morning, let's just ask God for his blessing on this time. Father, we thank you that uh, this morning we have this uh, great privilege of being able to meet here in this place, to sing praises to you, to remember that you are indeed a good, good Father. And that uh, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled to you by faith. Lord, this morning uh, we want to be uh, faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ask that as we uh, look at this passage this morning, we might just be again encouraged in our hearts, be taught to what it means to be followers of Jesus. And also, Lord, as we uh, look together at this passage, we will be reminded of that wonderful and confident hope that is ours in and through him. And we thank you for it in his name. Amen. Well, we uh, continue on in our uh, series this morning in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. Of course, we've entitled this series, Widen Your Hearts, looking at uh, you know, how God wants to indeed you know, widen our hearts, help us to, uh, to embrace more and more of him and of his love, but also that he wants us to be his people who share the love of God abroad in the hearts of many, many people in our world today. And we need to have our hearts widened, uh, wide open to the people around about us to be, in order to be able to, uh, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. But uh, this morning we're going to be looking at probably one of those things which I think um, is probably a bit of a challenge to us because we sometimes uh, lose sight of the fact that we are indeed eternal beings, that this world is not all there is. I wonder, have you ever found yourself ever really looking forward to something? You know, you've got uh, something that is coming up that you're just so excited about and really looking forward to. I mean, it, it might have been a holiday that, that might be a holiday that you've, uh, you've got planned or that you, you had planned, a, particularly a special one or like an overseas holiday or something like that, which uh, many of us don't often get to go on. I know right now a lot of people are looking forward to the end of the school year, particularly some of the, uh, some of the uh, teenagers especially as they've been uh, you know, really under the pump with uh, exams and assignments and things like that. And uh, for a few of them this year will mark the end of their schooling life altogether, so I'm sure that they're looking forward to, uh, to that too. I think some people are looking forward to Christmas. And yes, it's only 49 days away, folks, or 48 sleeps for those who count sleeps. You didn't want to be reminded about that today, did you? No. Perhaps the weekend might be something that you look forward to. You look forward to it each week. You know, just a couple of days off, a break from the, uh, from the everyday grind of, of work. Yes, we all look forward to something, don't we? Whether it be a visit of a friend, whether it be a, uh, uh, you know, the summer weather that, that, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, right upon us now, or maybe it might be the birth of a baby or a wedding, all sorts of things that we can be looking forward to, that we can get excited about, and that anticipation you know, in our heart sort of builds as we, uh, as we get closer to, uh, to that arriving. When we really have something to, uh, to look forward to, one of the things that I find, especially if it's something particularly uh, sig significant, is that it can actually help us to endure through times of hardship and struggle. You know, it can be that kind of light at the end of the tunnel that we sort of are really looking forward to and helps us to get through that, uh, those dark times. I wonder uh, if you have, been, uh, if you have a, are a parent or have been a parent of, of young children have you ever played the dessert card at, uh, before, you know, uh, trying to get your kids to eat their veggies? Have you ever tried that before, parents? Yes, I'm sure you have. You know, eat your broccoli or there'll be no ice cream afterwards. 
Mmm. Perhaps it even works on some of the adults too. I don't know. Mmm. I've been, <laughs> I've been one of those kids who have suffered through eating my veggies in order to get that ice cream. I really have. You know, you force down mouthful after cold mouthful and the reason they're cold is because you've left them on your plate right to the last thing and it's, you've just been putting it off and putting it off. But you force it down with the thought of that enjoyment still to come, of that beautiful, uh, delicious bowl of goodness that awaits you at the, uh, at the end. Mmm. You know, twice in this chapter, chapter 4 of of 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks of not losing heart. We see that in verse 1 and again here in verse 16 of our passage this morning. He says, so we do not lose heart. Let me ask you these questions. When is it that we tend to lose heart in our lives? When is it that we tend to lose heart? And why are we tempted to lose heart in our lives? I think I'd venture to say that the times that we're tempted to lose heart are when we, uh, you know, we, we sort of really feel as though we, uh, you know, the, the, the courage slips away and the, the confidence slips away and the, the assurance and the, uh, the peace slips away are often during those times of difficulty and hardship, aren't they? When we're really under the pump, when, when life's uh, troubles and, and trials really sort of start to crowd in on us and we struggle and to find that comfort in the midst of, of our plight. We can't see, we, we fail to see that end, that, that light at the end of the tunnel. And often if we do see a light, we think it's a train coming the other way. Mm. There appears to be just no good news, only bad news. In our passage today, the Apostle Paul points to that which is the hope of the believer, the confident hope. And it's a hope that if properly understood can lift our eyes and lift our spirits and our hearts above the hardship and the struggles that we face in our lives and and, and enables us to endure and persevere in the midst of those struggles. But not only to, to endure and persevere, but indeed to actually rise above and overcome those, to give us that good courage that, uh, that Paul speaks about in chapter 5 of our passage today, where he says we are always of good courage. But before we get into that, let me just say that, you know, when we're faced with these sort of situations in our lives, these, these situations of intense hardship and, and difficulty and trials, you know, for someone to then sort of come and tell us not to lose heart, well, they might do that and, and, and have the greatest and the best intentions in doing that. But sometimes, particularly if they've never, never experienced anything of what we're going through at those times, then those words can sound a bit hollow, can't they? But Paul, though, here is speaking from personal experience. He says, we, we do not lose heart. He includes himself here in this passage. And, you know, Paul had every reason to be a person who, would, who, who lost their heart in the midst of what he went through because he endured incredible hardship and suffering. We'll look at that again in a minute. But even in the midst of all of his trials and difficulties, he did not lose heart. He says in, the, in, in, in chapter 4, reading from, uh, from, verse, from verse 8, he says that even though he was afflicted in every way, he was not crushed. He was sometimes perplexed, but he didn't despair. He was persecuted, but he never felt forsaken. He was struck down, but it did not destroy him. 
See, Paul was not only able to cope in these kind of situations, in these circumstances, but he was able to endure and rise above them. And I think that deep down we all want to be people who are like this when challenges come our way, aren't we? We want to be people who are able to rise above those circumstances, not just to endure and, you know, the whole stiff upper lip and, you know, I'll just plough on, but to be able to do it in a way which really glorifies God and points people to the power of God's Spirit working in our hearts and in our lives. There's something really remarkable and admirable about people who are able to rise above tragedy and trials. Some of you might be familiar with this fellow. His name's Nick Vujicic. I think I pronounced his uh, surname there right. Born with a condition where he had no arms and no legs. He's actually a married man now with a couple of children. Amazing. And he speaks all around the world at, uh, at conferences and that sort of thing about the power of God and what he's able to accomplish in a person's life. The difference that Jesus can make in, in a person's life. And he is a living example of that. He's spoken to presidents and world leaders and you know, governors and, and all sorts of people right throughout the world. God's given him this incredible you know, window, this incredible doorway into these people's lives because of his disabilities. God is using him. What's the secret to becoming someone who perseveres in and overcomes through those difficulties in our lives, the many obstacles that life confronts us with? What allowed Paul to be someone who didn't lose heart in all the midst of of his trials? Well, I think it comes down very much to perspective, and that's what Paul is speaking about here in this passage this morning. It's all about where our perspective is, where our eyes are actually focused Paul points to five truths in this particular section of Scripture and all have to do with having eyes of faith, eyes that see past the present and look to the future. So let's look at these together this morning. The first is found in verse 16 of our passage this morning where Paul says, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul has got this, uh, this, this, this uh, picture here of his mind of, this, of, the, of, of his outer body. And when he speaks about his outer self, he means his whole mortal existence, everything to do with our humanity, everything that, about us that is subject to the various influences and circumstances and, uh, and pressures of living as a, as a part of this world today. Paul is speaking of that which, which uh, belongs to this age, but which is passing away. Paul, as I said, was a person who experienced incredible hardship in his life and it took a physical toll on his body. And he's got this image in his mind and as he, was, as he you know, worked hard for the Lord and as his body aged, as he got older and older, he, you know, he knew that he was slowly, his body was wasting away. And for many of us, we know what that's like, don't we? As we get older, we know that, uh, that, that our bodies don't function like they used to. We struggle with our various aches and pains. The eyesight dims and the, and the hearing fades and the, uh, you know, the joints, they creak and they crack and they crunch and, and all sorts of things like that, don't they? The mind loses its sharpness. 
Age takes its toll. And Paul is saying, that's, that's our outer self, our outer bodies. They're, they're slowly wasting away. And they're part of this, this, whole, this whole earthly existence, this whole you know, temporal existence that Paul says is passing away. It's in the process of passing away. But then he says, however, our inner self is, in, is being renewed day by day. That inner self that Paul talks about here is that which belongs to the age to come. That aspect of of a person who has been united to Jesus Christ by faith and which will one day be brought into his wonderful and glorious presence where we will live forever and ever in our resurrected bodies. And that part of us is being transformed. It is being changed in us day by day by day. So as our, as our outer self is, is wasting away and as the, the, ch- the challenges and the trials of this world takes its toll and as, as we move closer and closer to, to even our, our, our bodies passing away, Paul says there is this other, this other process that's taking place, this transformation, this renewal of our inner self that is just being you know, brought out more and more and more like a, a flower as it kind of just opens out. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's being transformed and we're being prepared for our resurrection life with Christ. I see it a bit like a sculpture working on a piece of stone. You know, as, as, as the sculpture kind of you know, chisels and, and sands away the, the outer layers of, of rock, a, a beautiful figure starts to emerge. And yes, God uses the abrasive pressures and the difficulties of life, the the things that can leave those marks on us, those physical marks on us. He uses those things, but he also uses the refining tool of his Holy Spirit at work in our lives too to remove, to, to peel away, to chisel away that outer self and reveal that inner person. That inner person that we were created to be in the image of Jesus Christ, that person who will one day share in the glory of Jesus Christ forever and ever. Paul is saying, you know, when you're in the midst of those hardships and those trials, to have this picture in mind that, yes, that outer self is being, is, is passing away, it's wasting away, it's, it's slowly perishing and dying and corroding and, and corrupting. However, God through, you know, is working through this process even to bring about the, 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 the real person who we really are created in Jesus Christ. That inner beauty, that person who is one day going to share in all of the glories of, of heaven with Jesus. Isn't that a tremendous picture of what God is doing in our lives today for those of faith in Jesus Christ? And that can bring us, give us a real hope of knowing that, yes, it is hard. And yes, we, we do feel the, the wasting away and the, and the hardship. But, but we can be encouraged. We can have a, a real confidence and a real security and a real uh, joy in our hearts of knowing that in the midst of that process, God has got this other wonderful process that is going on. He's chiseling away and he's, he's filing away and he's sanding away and he's, he's bringing about that real you that he created you to be. One day we are going to be that person there in the presence of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be able to look back and think, wow, you know what? Those, those trials of life, although they seem so hard and so weighty at that time, really, they pale, in, they pale into nothingness. 
And that's what Paul goes on to say in verse 17, where he says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You know, when you think about, you know, all that Paul endured in his life life for the sake of the gospel, it's hard to believe that he would refer to them as light and momentary troubles. You skip over for a minute in, in your letter of 2 Corinthians to chapter 11. Let me just read to you just a few verses that uh, give us a reminder of what Paul went through. I'm going to read from verse 23. He talks about the fact that, you know, he has a person who, uh, you know, he's, he's giving a... Um, uh, um, a kind of like a bit of a uh, um, apolog- an apologetic, if you like, for him being an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's talking about these people, uh, you know, who uh, who say that they're you know Hebrews and that sort of thing. He says, "Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one." I am talking like a madman with, he says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Wow. That's a pretty impressive list, isn't it? And this is, this is just a, a bit of an, an idea of what Paul went through in his service of Jesus Christ for the sake of the gospel. Beatings, floggings, imprisonment, shipwrecks, danger from, you know, from every, every angle of his life he faced. And yet he says, for this light momentary affliction... They don't seem like light afflictions to me. They seem like pretty heavy afflictions, don't you think? And you know, when it comes down to it, when we think of our own afflictions, they also can seem anything but light in the midst of them. In fact, our afflictions can weigh so heavily upon us, so heavily that they almost crush us, don't they? But what Paul is inviting his readers here to do is is to see past our current struggles and indeed to view them through the window of eternity, through the lens of eternity. And he wants us to see them in the light of the positive outcome that these things can have in our life, that God is able to bring about in our lives through these as we trust him. You know, our struggles in life, in this life, are comparatively brief in duration and insignificant in weight when viewed in light of our eternal destination, in view of our eternal reward. And Paul says that that eternal reward will exceed anything that we could ever, ever imagine. Do you see that the imagery that Paul uses here? He says, you know, he's talking this whole aspect of weight, 
And he says, you know, these momentary afflictions seem fairly light in weight. Even though sometimes they, they bear us down and they seem as though they're going to crush us, they weigh so heavily. But he says, when it comes to thinking of eternity and our reward in heaven, he says, the weight of that is going to so, you know, tip the scale so much in that favour that these, these trials that we experience now will seem incredibly light in comparison. That tells you something about the weight of glory that, that, is, that is being prepared for us through Jesus Christ, don't you, don't you think? It says something about the enormous weight of glory that is ours in Christ and that will one day we will experience in all of its fullness. And Paul says when we get there and we experience that, then these light and momentary troubles, he said, they're going to seem completely insignificant. They're going to seem as though it's just child's play. You need to keep your eyes focused on what is important. John MacArthur says, sorry, we need to, I think we've skipped the slide there. There we go. We've got got it there. John MacArthur, in writing about this passage, says this. He says, "Whether, whether suffering comes from believers' faithful, loyal, committed testimony about Jesus Christ or the patient enduring of life's normal trials, such as disease, divorce, poverty and loneliness, if endured with a humble, grateful, God-honouring attitude, it will add to our eternal weight of glory. If endured with a humble, grateful, God-honouring attitude. Folks, we can only have that kind of attitude. We can only have that kind of perspective as we look at the, the things of this world in light of eternity and in light of God's purposes. We will only ever see them in that light. If we, as, and we won't be, only be able to endure them, I should say, as we see them in light of how God sees them. And through our present tears... Through our present tears and pain, we must never lose sight of that future glory which is ours, which awaits us in heaven. And so Paul keeps going when he says, For as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It's so easy for our focus to be on things that are seen, isn't it? For the things around about us that that just fill our visions, that fill our lives. You know, to have our heart, to have to have our eyes and our hearts, you know, so centered on that which is just, you know, right there in front of our faces. Yet Paul points out here a very important truth, and we need to understand the difference that Paul is saying here between the temporal and the eternal, between what is seen and what is unseen, to what is transient, to what is here one minute and gone the next, and what is permanent, what will be forever and ever and ever and ever. Between that which lasts for a short time and that which will last for eternity. Paul reminds the Colossians in Colossians 3.2, he says this, he says, you are to set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. It's the same thing, isn't it? That's where our focus needs to be. That's where our vision needs to be. That's where our hearts need to be. They need to be centered on the things above, not the things here on earth. They need to be focused on the things that are unseen, not on the things that are seen. 
And of course, this doesn't happen automatically, does it? It takes effort and it takes discipline. And we will only be able to endure and overcome when we look in the right direction. And we need to train our minds and we need to train our hearts to keep looking in that right direction here in this world today. We need to ask God's Holy Spirit to help us to look beyond the seen to the unseen, to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. It needs to be something which we ask God to help us day by day by day because those earthly things will continually fill our vision. They'll continually captivate our hearts. They'll continually take our time and our efforts and our energies away from that which is, truly is important and significant and, 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 of, and, of, and of real everlasting terms in our lives. Because we might ask ourselves, well, what are these eternal things that we're to set our minds above, so to set our minds and hearts on? Well, of course, first and foremost, it is our God. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the one who needs to fill our hearts and fill our vision day by day. We're to be captivated by him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're to, to be captivated by his kingdom and the, the work that God is at, at present doing in this world as his kingdom is growing and is being furthered more and more in people's lives as, as people's hearts are being changed and transformed, as people are being brought into that kingdom. That's what we need to be fixing our eyes and our hearts on and about being about God's kingdom business here in this world. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and everything else God will take care of. The salvation of souls because, folks, we are eternal beings and, and, folks, people without Jesus Christ are going to a Christless eternity of suffering and torment which will go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And those people are around, right round about us, you know, in our communities. In fact, we might even have some of those people here in this very room today. And we need to be concerned with people's, the salvation of people's souls. We need to be concerned with holiness and righteousness and humility and love and compassion and truth. So where and on what are your eyes fixed right now? What captivates your heart right now? Are the things of this world... You know, have they crowded God out? Have they crowded God's kingdom out? Have they crowded, you know, the, 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 the beautiful vision of, of the person that God has created you to be? And so you're, you're just going after the things of this world and missing out on all of the goodness that God has got planned for you? The fourth point that Paul says in our passage this morning is that we are to long for our heavenly home instead of our earthly tent. We see that in chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, For we know that if this, this tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If you've ever been camping, you know the fun of living in a tent for a short time, don't you? Of roughing it. Well, I know some of you don't kind of really rough it when you go camping because I've seen some of the photos. But I'm pretty sure that if we were, you know, to the, the camping, we would not want to live in that tent permanently, would we? Oh, no. We're pretty glad to get home after the camping trip, home to that which is permanent. 
home to that which is you know designed for us to actually live in you know for a for, a, for an ex- extended period of time. Well, Paul describes these earthly bodies as tents. And what he's talking about there is that, you know, this is just temporary. Tents are temporary. Our bodies are temporary. But he says, when this earthly body of ours, this tent of ours is destroyed at death, we as believers have an eternal home to look forward to. An eternal home to look forward to. A house provided by whom? Provided by God. God himself. You know, in John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, you know, he's just about to, uh, before he goes to the cross, he says, you know, I'm going to be going away from you. I'm actually going to be, I'm going to, uh, to leave you. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a home for you. A home with me and my Father in heaven. In this tent, we feel the burdens of daily living. Our tent gets worn out and it gets tatty around the edges. But one day, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation will be able to look forward to a new resurrection body, a body that will not wear out, a body that is not subject to the pains and the ills of this present mortal body of ours. And and we were told that our guarantee of this is God's Holy Spirit who indwells us. And we see something similar in Ephesians chapter 1. So as we walk by faith and not by sight, we ourselves can have a confident hope. A confident hope, one that enables us to endure even through the most difficult trials. And a hope that enables us to look forward with great anticipation and excitement of what is to come, of what is already ours in Jesus Christ. It is already guaranteed. If you have the Holy Spirit living within you, then you can confidently say, that's where I'm going. That is my home. And it is guaranteed because God himself guarantees it. And it can give us, it can provide us with good courage. And enable us to live in a way that pleases God in this life. Paul says, so we are always of good courage in verse 6. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. Whilst we're here in this tent, we know that we are away from the Lord. Although he's present with us through his spirit, we just have not experienced that fullness of our salvation in Jesus Christ just yet. But he said, we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the tent, the body and at home with the Lord. Amen. And we just love to be, Jesus, take me now. Amen. Folks, we can't even begin to imagine what heaven is going to be like. If God would just fill our vision, fill our hearts with, a, with, with, with just a, a glimpse of what heaven might be like, we'd be saying, I want to go now. Yeah. This world has nothing for me. 
This life no longer has anything for me in comparison to that. That's what we as believers today need to get a vision of, folks. And that's what Paul is talking about here in this passage. He says, we need to get a vision of heaven. We need to get a glimpse of the glory of God and of Jesus Christ in all of their majesty and know that that's where we're going and know that that's who we belong to and that is our future and our hope. You all look so excited about that. (laughs) But Paul says we also need to keep one last thing in mind, and that is this, that we will all have to one day give an account before Jesus Christ. He says that in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Accountability is such a good and helpful thing, isn't it? Accountability gives us great incentive to stay the course. We're accountable. We're all accountable to someone, whether it be our governments and our, you know, our laws and that sort of thing, whether it be our parents, our spouses, our teachers, our coaches, our teammates, whatever. But most importantly, what we need to remember is that we are all accountable to Jesus Christ. We are all accountable to God and one day we are going to have to stand before his judgment seat and give an account of him, give an account of our lives before him. As Christians, we will have to stand before our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and tell him how we have lived our lives for him. How we contributed to building up his church how he showed his love and his faithfulness, how he had this great concern for the lost. And on that day, Jesus Christ will make an assessment of our lives. And no, our salvation won't be on the line because our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. However, our eternal rewards will be. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and stand before my Saviour and and have my head bowed in shame knowing that I did not live in the way that he had called me to live. Isn't that the same with you? I do not want to stand before my Saviour with disappointment in my eyes and on my heart of knowing that the things of this world took away my thoughts for him and took away my thoughts of what my, my, my eternal hope would be. And instead I was so captivated in building my own kingdom here that I forgot about Jesus' kingdom. I want to be able to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, with your help, I live my life for you. I want to stand before Jesus and say that I, you know, in, the, in this life, as I approach the, the, the struggles and the challenges in this life, as, it's, as is significant and as, 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 uh, as hard as they are, I want to stand before him and, and say that I, I still had those eternal, those eternal consequences in mind. The same as the Apostle Paul did here. And the more that we set our gaze on eternal things, it will result in in giving us the ability of a greater and more confident hope through our trials. And it will also give us a more confident hope of our rewards forever and ever in heaven with Jesus Christ. I want to be able to say, along with the Apostle Paul, when I get to the end of this life, whenever that might be, these words. I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. Folks, are you fighting the good fight today? 
Are you fighting that good fight for Jesus Christ today? Fighting against the things of this world and instead fighting for him and for his kingdom. Fighting for, for, for that, that purpose that he has in our life. Paul says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. How are you going in that race right now? Are you still running? Are you still persevering? Are you still enduring? Knowing that Jesus Christ is with you? Are you keeping the faith? Are you hanging on strongly to Jesus Christ? Are you hanging on strongly to the, to the eternal principles and values of God and his kingdom? Are you able to confidently say, Jesus Christ, you are mine and I am yours and I'm living my life wholeheartedly for you today? That the things of this world pale in comparison to, to you and your glory and your majesty and all that you have for me? Are you keeping the faith? Because if you are, you can also say these words with the Apostle Paul, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved or who have longed for his appearing. Do you long for Jesus' appearing today? Keep that vision, folks. Keep that vision of looking to eternity. Keep that vision of, of, of remembering that this world is just a drop in the ocean. And live accordingly. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning for this passage of Scripture. For the wonderful uh, assurance it gives us for the, for the believer in Jesus Christ of knowing that, uh, yes, this life can indeed bring about all kinds of troubles and hardship and, and sufferings and pain and may sometimes feel as though it is going to crush us. But yet we can say with the Apostle Paul that this is but light and momentary afflictions because they are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Oh, amen and praise you, Jesus, for that. So help us indeed to look at things that are unseen and not focus on the things that are seen. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.